Welcome everybody and we are back. Berner and Barthy are here again to unplug another season of Central Coast Rugby. With well over 21,000 downloads already, prepare your ears for all the latest news, views and shit takes surrounding the sport and the community that ties us all together. Good chat, good footy, good fun. Take it away, boys. Thanks, Thanks Tomo. Awesome intro as always. Barthy, exciting episode today, mate. Absolutely pumped. Yeah. Tell us about it. What's happening? Exciting oh, times. I've got to get into it. Big news, big news. Uh, as you would have seen through our social media posts um, from the Central Coast and, and certainly from ours, big news about Charlotte Kaslick signing um, with the Terrigal Trojans and Central Coast Division after her commitments with the international tournaments are over. Um, so that was uh, really exciting news. And um, I think it was just also just as much fun and excitement was had by myself. And, and I think you, you, you speak for you too, Berner, and it took a fair while for people to realise what day it was when we posted those. And um, being April Fool's Day, uh, we certainly uncovered a lot of fools, that's for sure. Uh, my phone ran. My phone ran hot. Um, and let's just say, a lot of people who have their their feet uh, ready at the swing to lay the boot in at Terrigal any chance they get, uh, they were swinging like you would not believe. And uh, it, was, it was it was it was fantastic. So Central Coast Initiative, I thought it was absolutely great. Um, we jumped on board to have a bit of fun with it as well. And disappointingly, for those of you who are listening, uh, expecting to hear, see or hear Charlotte on this week's podcast, that's not going to happen because there's a thing called April Fool's Day where you make shit up and <laughs> you're the fool if you believe it. And let's be honest, Bernard, if anyone's believing the stuff that comes out of our mouths on this, on this broadcast, <laughs> you're knuckleheads anyway. But uh, no, so Charlotte uh-huh. won't be. Charlie won't be joining us. You, you were convincing, mate. You were very, very convincing. Uh, but appreciate everybody jumping on anyway. And it looks, looks like you're stuck with us for the next half an hour. So yeah. uh, no Charlotte Catholic in the Central Coast Rugby competition. Uh, you yeah. are a fool if you believe that at all. <laughs> well, moving on from Charlotte, mate. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, please stick around the episode. Uh, Charlotte may appear later. She might be on later. She might be on later. <laughs> Mate, trials. Uh, trials ended this week, uh, this weekend. Yep. Um, obviously, Easter next weekend, and the competition starts after that. So we did have, we did have the end of so the men's trials and the first round of the women's, which we'll get into with our own podiatry results around. We had a uh, triple threat match, as uh, it is WrestleMania season, mate. So a triple threat match between Terrigal, Wewoi, and the Bay on Friday night, and then we also had Razorbacks and Avoca on uh, yesterday, Saturday, and then. Yeah. End of the trials, and then that leads us into the results that around the first one for the year for the women's competition. Who had a gala day format? Uh, we're just going to get uh, Gus. We're going to bring Gus into the studio here. You can see that if you're on YouTube there. Hey, Gus. Um, oh, how are you, mate? Welcome. Gus, Gus having some issues. With, no, I think he's having some issues with his mic there, mate. Gus will join us each week. Um, obviously, needs to work on the mic there a little bit. That's fine. We'll run through the results for him. So, women's competition, there were three games scheduled. Scheduled, Razorbacks beat Woiwoi first of all, twenty-eight nil. Barthy, can you tell us about this scoreline? Yeah, convincing win by the Razorback women. Ever since they dropped the bong, they've um, they've gone really well, standing on their own two feet now as Razorbacks. Look, unfortunately, it was at the expense of the Woiwoi women, who forfeited the match. But we've been we've been assured that the Woiwoi will be competing this season. Uh, it was just. A little bit too early in the season for them to start 
being round one. So we all know that we would like to hit the season uh, and come strong. Yeah, you know, generally yeah. rounds, yeah. rounds two, yeah. three, four, or five. So yeah, I'd say round, I'd say round eight, five's generous. We'll, we'll see how we go. So twenty-eight nil uh, forfeit victory to the Razorbacks, which look let's 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 be fair, for two seconds, uh, extremely disappointing uh, for the Razorback women not to get a hit out, but also extremely disappointing for the Warwick women uh, and the Warwick club who uh, couldn't field a side round one. I just hope for everyone's sake that the call was made respectfully and early and it wasn't done at the day when everyone swarmed up and ready to go. So, yeah, 28-0 victory to the Razorback women to start round one. Second game, Avoca beat Hornsby 25 points to 14. So, nice tight game, this one. Yeah, the, the great thing about this game, um, we're round one. We've already had a duple, which is... Um, a good, good, really uh, exciting. Uh, it's, it's it's a sign of good things to come, mate. It is. We 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 like getting a, a, a double, and um, we think we think there's been a, a duple. Carly Morris uh, definitely scored one. We think she may have scored two tries for the Hornsby women. Uh, score being fourteen to twenty five, but the Evoca Beach women in running Evoca Beach women running in five tries. We've spoken about it before at long lengths the Achilles heel of the Avoca Beach women's side, and we're going to say it right now, they couldn't kick the skin off a custard that side. Uh, they dead set have not kicked one conversion. And whilst it didn't come out and uh, cost them the... They they premiers, current premierships, didn't cost them the, the season last year of great concern. Five tries to nil. They don't even need to kick. Word on the street is around town, they're not even going to bother. They're going to, they're going to play the entire season without kicking conversions. That's how confident they are. <clears throat> Well, I'm pretty sure that's what happened yesterday. They didn't need to kick conversions. They're just—they're not opting. They just want more time to score tries, which is nah, fair. So you want to go up in fives rather than go up in twos. Summerwit scored a double. It's easy to count up to counting up in fives. Summerwit caught a double. Uh, scored a double. Evie Smith got over the line. Well done to Evie and uh, Grace Davin and Shani Waters scoring the five tries for the Evoca Beach side. So last year's premiers, uh, obviously, and clearly had the toughest game to start the round against. Um, a competitive World War side, 25 Hornsby. points to 14. Hornsby, sorry. Hornsby, Hornsby mate. Sorry, 25 points oh, to 14. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was the Lions. That's what I see where, I see where yeah. you're getting at there. Uh, Terrigal beat Lakes 50 to nil. Strong start. Yeah, it is very strong start. A lot of tries uh, and some conversions too, which is uh, pleasing to see. Sean George scored a couple. Um, Harley Siach. Scott, um, she scored a couple as well. Uh, new to Are we talking uh, duples here, like, like couple, you mean duples? We do need a duple, and I just want to give a shout out. Ann Jones scored a try and kicked a few goals too. I want to give a shout out to a uh, friend of the show, uh, and super mum, Prue Bright. Uh, she was uh, kicked a, a few conversions as well. Um, Prue had some alternate duties last year, um, giving birth to humans was one of those duties and was unable to play uh one of the great women of the competition a great human being so good to see um prove back playing rugby and so yes 50 points to nil uh a good old-fashioned thrashing at the hands uh of the terrible trojans over the lakes so the trojan women starting off strong again it um yeah so a great day sevens to get started for the women yeah lots of the rounds thanks gus 
try and get those audio issues fixed for next week, shall we? Yeah, I think we might have to. We might get rid of Gus there. Yeah, it's probably probably seems a little bit better. Uh, so the tables so far for the women, we have Terrigal on top. We have Voker in second place. We have Razorbacks in third. We have Warnerval who had the bite. They were sitting in fourth place. And then underneath that, we have Hornsby, Woi Woi, and then Lakes. So that's the table for round one for the women's. Obviously, men's will kick off in two weeks' time. Uh, do you want to go on to the new segment, mate? Yep. Can I just can I just point out one thing? You can. I think it's I think it's a bold but extremely smart and intelligent move by the Wuwei women's side to forfeit. They fought. They didn't even show up, and they're not bottom of the ladder. That's a, that's a smart. That's a bold play. <laughs> not just good looks down there, mate. Also, a bit of brains. <laughs> All right, Barthy, the new segment, obviously, we are at the mercy of our sponsors. So we've mm, got mm, new segment this comments. week. Exactly. Tell us about it. Well, it's going to be a weekly episode. We all know that Gus and the team from Aaron of Podiatry um, sponsor our results of the round. And it's great to have Carl on, who's his exquisite exterior cleaning. Carl's and his business have come on this year, and they are going to be sponsoring the cleanup of the week. So this cleanup of the week will be presented by Exquisite Exterior Cleaning, and we will issue that cleanup of the week to any team we see fit, whether it be juniors, seniors, women's, whoever the case may be. So this week's Exquisite Exterior Cleanup of the Week, you'd think it'd go for um, you think it'd go to the Terrigal Trojans for cleaning up the lakes, 50 points mm. to nil. I'm mm. not going to give it to the Trojan women. I'm going to give it to the Arimba women starting out the season, keeping a clean sheet, scoring four converted tries, winning their forfeited match, 28 points to nil over Warwick. <laughs> they get our exquisite exterior cleanup of the week. Well done well, to they, the Razorback women. They do have the cleanest jerseys of everybody in the competition who got a win over the weekend. There is no yeah. cleaning that was needed for their jerseys. So... Well done, mate. Th- big thank you to Exquisite Exterior Cleaning, sponsoring a segment this year, which is awesome. Obviously, keeps the potty going as well. So we'll have a clean-up each week. So the clean-up this week goes to the Razorback women. Just is before we move moment? on. Uh, no, not quite. On. Just, yeah, just before we move on. Um, that Exquisite Exterior Clean-Up of the Week, that could be for anything. So <clears throat> it could be for someone cleaning up a meat pie, it could be someone for just hoovering down a couple of schooners, whatever the whatever the cleanup is. Get a hold of us here at the podcast, and uh, you might just see that um, your nomination uh, might get the cleanup of the week. So, anything in and around the game of rugby, we uh, is eligible to win the exterior, uh, exquisite exterior uh, cleaning cleanup of the week. All right, on to the bitchman bash. So I mentioned if you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you would have saw last week. Uh, but the whole bash has been absolutely turned on its head because of one man and one man only. And I don't think there's ever been a person in human history, definitely not a cameraman in human history, that has changed society in the way that Nick Friend did last Thursday morning when he decided to join the bitchman bash. Uh, before that, we sort of had a top three of uh, Matt Kong, Dave Hall, and Tim Lark, who were sort of fighting for that top spot of the individual honours. And then Nick just joined with 280Ks. And 
just so everybody else knows, the top before that was 180, I believe. So Nick obviously been running for a long time, uh, just sort of scoping out the competition of the Bitumen Bash before he decided to actually join it. Um, and he has taken the competition by storm. He's joined and he's on 331. The closest to him is 217. So we've been going for three weeks or thereabouts. Yep. So that's that's 100 kilometers a week. It's disgraceful. Uh, is that, but... is that <clears throat> how, how can we check if that's legit? Now, I'm, by no by no means am I questioning the integrity of uh, friend of the show, Nick Friend. Of the Central Coast greatest cameraman. Now I Correct. did go back through and I thought, you know, is Nick is Nick doing the right thing? Is he playing by the rules? And it appears that he definitely is. He's just a very fit man and exercises morning and afternoon. And when you have when you have that sort of exercise routine, you're putting in big numbers. That's how you accrue that. Uh, he doesn't miss any days, and he just is an absolute exactly. So uh, the exact opposite of what Team BMB is doing. Uh, so Barthy, to put oh. it in context. Between just him, he has done eight times the amount of both of us combined. Um, obviously, we've had some injuries and some other commitments as well, which has sort of prohibited us. But um, I had some border put... relation issues uh, last week. You did, you did, mate. You did. Um, so you know, you know not, not... I've never, I've never, I've never been in handcuffs before. Well, only, only your pink fluffy ones. They're the only handcuffs I've worn. But um, I was about to always bring the, that one up. Never been in the cold steel before, but. There we go. <laughs> Last week was something different. We can we can clarify that. Uh, but mate, the the bash. So Nick Friend leads it at the moment, three hundred thirty one point five kilometers. We've got Dave Hall second in two hundred seventeen, which is still a massive shift, two hundred seventeen kilometers. Oh, you're and right, Dave. Hey, Dave, can you can you just get a hold of us here in the podcast? Do you reckon he runs with the whistle? I think he does. I think he, I blow, think he how it exhales through the whistle. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a technique they actually teach at refereeing school. You got to learn to exhale and inhale with the whistle, and also controlling how loud the whistle is at that um, circular breathing is what they you're trained to do. And I, I think played under least... a few referees like that. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Kong also I'd on say, 217. I'll say Dave's one of those because I never played under Dave. Uh, it sounds like you are. No, I never played under Dave. Uh, and all the way down the bottom, uh, just so we can kind of get a bit of a grasp of what where the table sits, Todd Atkins uh, still firmly planted on zero kilometres. So well done, I Todd. Co- I coached under Dave, though. But Did no, you? I'm not. In, I'm not insinuating that he blows the whistle too much at all. You know, I love you, Dave. <laughs> yeah, backpedaling massive here, mate. Uh, <laughs> so in terms of the clubs, then Nick Friend uh, applying his trade getting into his work out of Woi Woi. So he has obviously opted. He, if he wanted to represent himself as a cameraman, we don't have a cameraman team. If he wanted to do that, he'd be sitting in second as an overall team out of everybody. Uh, but he's opted to join Woi Woi. That gives Woi Woi 758 combined kilometers. Terrigal in second on 486. So still nearly 300 off the lead there. So Terrigal, if they want that 500, they've got to pull their finger out, get a couple more to join. Refs on 227. Dave, 217 of those. Razorbacks on 147, Avoca on 134. BMB, very looking very strong on the way up on 37.9. Lakes 31, Hornsby 23. So we're very hard to beat at this stage. Nick Friend, very hard to beat at this stage. Completely changed the competition. But uh, I don't believe there's any photo of a pooch just yet. So the only hope anybody no. else could have is keeping dogs away from the vicinity of Nick Friend on his yeah. walks for the next... 10 or so days. That's thanks to Sarah Lou Fay, the best dog trainer in Australia. 
putting up $250 for the individual. So got to have your pooch, though. Got to have your pooch. Took my dog for a walk the other day, but I've got to take a photo. So I guess that rules me ineligible. It does, mate. It does. All right, that's the Bitchman Bash. Uh, we'll post all this on the, the stories as well. Right, well, Barthi, last thing before we get uh, before, before we finish off the episode, and we were going to touch on it last week, but it's the whole uh, Suali'i signing for Australian rugby uh, and what you make of it. Because it is pretty big news, and we have spoken about the Wallabies earlier in the year and what they need to do and the signing of Eddie Jones and those sorts of things with reviving Australian rugby because it is in a pretty dark spot at the moment. Uh, what's your take on the whole thing with signing him? Obviously, the money is quite huge. Um, a lot of people saying that, you know, shooting on a grassroots rugby and, and, you know, obviously it's a it's a really big talking point. So what's your take on the whole scenario? Oh, look, mate, I, I don't It doesn't sit easy with me, to be honest. But also, I don't feel strongly or passionately about it either way because I can see the legitimacy of both sides of the argument and the discussion about, well, it's getting, it's, yeah, there's, there's been, there's been more conversation about rugby in the last week or two than there has in, you know, two or three years prior to that, which is absolutely true. Um, I think there's, I think there's opportunities. Well, actually one thing I will say is, is I'm surprised by the amount of acknowledgement of uh, the fact that he was a rugby player beforehand. I had a conversation with it, with a mate of mine, um, around it and I express my <laughs> my disappointment that um that we we let so many players go and he raised the point which I thought was I thought was pretty fair and decent he said well why wouldn't you just let them go let rugby league pour money into them get them to develop um professionalism and develop a lot of their skills and then once they've got that to an acceptable level then you get them back to rugby and I thought, geez, that's not a bad that's not a bad sort of, I guess, stance or philosophy, if you will. But you got to get them back for a starters. Mm. And then it came to light, and and I, I saw I saw a fair bit of merit in that discussion. And then it and then it came to light that Swaliki asked Australian Rugby Union for a two hundred thousand dollar contract about three years ago, and they said no. Yeah. So he came to play rugby league. It was something along those lines. Can play rugby league, plays three years of rugby league, and Australian rugby union now playing reportedly one point six or whatever, whatever it is. So there's clearly, there's clearly absolute management issues. It could be a stroke of genius in regards to marketing, and that's where I just sit back and go, you know what? I don't, yeah. I, either way, I just, I think, I think rugby's problems are far greater than spending one point seven, one point six million dollars on one player. Yeah, uh, I think there's, I think there's a lot. There's a lot more issues to play with the uh, governance of the game than than just the signing of one player. Yeah, well, I'm I'm with you. And the first time you kind of hear about it, you're like, okay, one point six is obviously a lot to pay a player, but I do think it is a stroke of genius because if you look at just say New South Wales, I know Melbourne's a little bit different, and um, Qu- Queensland's kind of the same um, as New South Wales, and that's not. It's league is the main thing, the main competition. Whereas I have, you know, Melbourne, uh, Victoria, sorry, got AFL. But no one, like, rugby league has such a big stronghold on our state. And I think the whole conversation of you should have poured into grassroots rugby, that's what we should have been doing for a long time beforehand. But I think 
you need something at the top now. It's not just grassroots because there's nothing to aspire to up the top. And I've said this many times before, but there is nothing. There's no household names now. There's no, and there's people that are my age and, you know, that are having kids in the next generation that's sort of coming through. Their parents are watching league over union. So the kids are raised in households, regardless of what the parents want to do. The kids are seeing league stars more. And league is so much more accessible to those kids that are growing up that it doesn't matter what your, your juniors and your pathways are, the desire is to go to league over union because that is more, it's more attractive. Whereas rugby, it's not popular. So that, and that has a huge impact. So you've got to get people talking about it. In terms of 1.6 million, I think it's, I think it's genius in even just the marketing value that rugby league is going to give to rugby union over the next year with how many times that they've, in interviews, a reporter asks a question at a rugby league conference and it pumps up rugby union. Like you see all the time, it's, it's happened so many times where it's like on, you know, NRL 360 or whatever, they start to talk about rugby union and they're talking about that's free publicity. Well, not free, they're paying $1.6 million for it. But it's all good publicity at the moment because that's what the ARU needs. They need something, somebody to talk about them because nobody is talking about them at the moment. And you can do what you want at grassroots level and again that does need to improve massively there's got to be somebody at the top he's obviously a good buyer as a talent on the field whether he's worth 1.6 you know maybe not but in terms of marketing value i think it's genius and when he went to league the what like he's so big because there was that tug of war between the roosters and and souths you know to get his signature and everything if he just stayed in union do you reckon he'd be as big as he is in terms of this teen prodigy and everything like he's gone and he's rep he's played fullback for samoa at a World Cup, he's done all these things, whereas he'd probably be the same as, like, say, like a Jordan Pattaya for the Reds in terms of this prodigy sort of coming through and playing for the Wallabies. But, like, Pattaya's still a freak, but he doesn't have this market value that Suwali has. And I think they're probably pretty similar sort of players. Like they've got that prodigy kind of about him. But um, Eddie Jones was saying that last time, he was obviously uh, obviously coaching it around. They had to bring in your league players like your Wendell Sowers, your Takiris, your Matt Rogers, who had this experience at an elite level, handling the pressure of massive crowds and you know grand final state of origin all that sort of stuff. But if you're developing players through grassroots and they're sort of playing Super Rugby in front of fifteen thousand people, by the time you get to Wembley in a packed stadium, then in a World Cup, the pressure is so much different. Whereas rugby league provides that environment a bit more. And Sue Elite will come into a Wallaby setup with that. Obviously, a different game, but he's played it many times before. But he's a bit more um, steeled from playing a rugby league World Cup grand final. He's playing in front of fifty thousand when he plays the South Roosters match, so he's got that big game experience, regardless regardless of if it's in a different code. And he brings that across. So I think that's a a good thing as well. But the biggest thing is that it's a talking point for rugby union. That's exactly what they need because they just don't have one at the moment. So you've got to they've they've dug himself into the point that they've got to do something to get him out of it. And I think it's a really good buy because Suali was built as the up-and-coming kid and the one to take over, you know, Tedesco and everything and be the big star in NRL. And Rugby Union's taken it off league for, uh, you know, for, for what, four years. Um, and props to Suali. He probably will go back when he's 25 and he's already, like, experienced a Lions tour and a World Cup and everything and played overseas and, and enjoyed everything that Rugby Union has to offer. And then he goes back over to league and... And do what he wants from there. So, yeah, it's, I, I, I think it's win-win for. Every, I think it's win-win for rugby and for Suwali. Actually, to be honest, um, I bet like you said, you just got to see how it pans out. Like he's one injury away from. And, and you, you think you think it's you think of someone 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 like Phil Kearns, you know, one of a, a great uh, 
advocate for the for the game of rugby. Played eleven years at the elite level and never played a British and Irish games. Never yeah. didn't play one game. Uh, played yeah. eleven years for Australia. He played he played in between the 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 Lions tours. Um, captain his country, all that sort of stuff. And here we are, just we. Well, I mean, it could be a, a sign of professionalism nowadays. Here we are using it as a marketing tool to get someone yeah. uh, to sign. But I think you, I think you yourself just highlighted what the issues are with the ARU and 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 grassroots and the lack of progression that the sports have, that the sport has at at the at the elite level. But we're not going to we're not we're not going to bore our listeners with our mundane thoughts on that. Um, but I did see I think it was in the Herald today. Uh, one in six NRL players have a rugby uh, background, mm. uh, yeah, through sort of schooling and and that sort of issue, as well. So, in many ways, we're doing where rugby is doing the work for league, and yeah. um, we're just got to pay for it at the, at the big end of it because they see easy money to start with. Well, they don't see that in rugby, I guess. But um, anyway, look, we'll see how it all pans out, eh? Exactly. So how it continues. I look forward to sort of hearing more about in the media. And just keep in mind when you're listening to it, listeners, that it's it is free. Obviously, you're paying for it in the meantime, but you will hear it so much over the next year as well, which is good for rugby union. Hopefully, it's going to inspire a couple others to to come across or some other big movements towards rugby union, which is what we want, what we need, because we need the game to obviously be in the spotlight. Uh, I think that's the episode, mate. That it. We're going to finish Anything on else? a dull, a dull topic like. I know. The state of the governance of the game, it's pretty disappointing, isn't it? It is very disappointing, actually. Well, what we can do is we can pump everybody up because the we get Easter, Easter money comes, and then the week after that, the competition starts for the men's, which is incredibly was, exciting. So next week's episode, I'll go. What was your favorite first, Easter egg? What was your favorite Easter egg? What do you mean was? Do you want to do you want to yeah, continue? Because I'm happy to other, still go the Cadbury cream egg because that's I was still say, other other than other than all of them. Uh, which one? <laughs> Did you particularly like the most? Uh, Cadbury cream eggs always been the favourite, mate. Haven't Ooh, don't yeah, mind right. the uh, caramel milk one these yeah, days. Okay. Tell you it was a, a bit of a guilty pleasure, um, mate. I don't know if we're I don't know if we're getting better with is, the it, is this an after, or is this yet. an after dark a guilty <laughs> pleasure? Is this for after dark or? Well, it could be. It felt that way. You get a caramel milk egg. I was doing this during Easter when we had COVID. You get a caramel milk egg, and you mm. drop it into your coffee, mate. It's good. It's good there stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's good. This is also yeah. at a time when I was eating the Teleron muffins for breakfast and stuff. Like, you know, you know, when it's peak COVID, you're doing whatever you want for sort of comfort food. <laughs> is it those sorts of times? Just just to give our listeners one last sort of visual. What do you reckon you balloon to uh, during COVID when you're having Nutella breakfast followed by um, cream egg coffees? My, my biggest was, I sort of sat around the 103. It wasn't the weight. It was just... It was just that um, the lack of it was the fat to muscle ratio. I think was the was the problem. <laughs> the scales kind of always stayed the same. It's just what the physique sort of looks like, man. That's what was the issue. Let's do it. Competition starts. One more episode. Well, next episode is actually the season preview. So hopefully next week the ending will be a bit stronger and we lead into actually uh, some games. Thank you, thank you to all those who did who did. Uh, express their disappointment in not having an episode last week but such is life and uh you've got one now so and we apologize charlotte's not on the episode if you've gotten to this far in. Oh, hang on. <laughs> i've um my phone is my phone is going we've got her coming on now